When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Selecting Sunday is almost here, folks. Another Friday edition of College Sports Now, so we're talking women's college basketball. Most of the major conference tournaments were last weekend, but we have the Big 12. We have some bid stealers coming this weekend, and joined as always by her hoop stats, Megan Gower. Megan, feel it. Selection Sunday's near. How's the whiteboard doing? <laughs> whiteboard is doing well. It also is ready to be retired for the season on how, Sunday. How are you as well? This time of year is always the busiest. Yes, the whiteboard, yeah. <laughs> whiteboard shouldn't be first. How are you? <laughs> good. Busy, good. but good. <laughs> a lot to get to on today's show. We'll be joined by a guest, ESPN's Alexa Phillip, who does a great job as a national writer. Um, formerly covered Stanford, covered UConn, covered a little bit, of, a lot of different places. Um, knows the game about as well as anyone. Megan, where do you want to start? I mean, we can start, we can kind of go conference by conference like last week. Actually, I'll make the decision. I kind of want to start with, with one seed talk. Because last week I thought was very indecisive for a lot of teams. You know, South Carolina shockingly won the SEC. Um, Indiana is probably locked into a one seed despite their unfathomable collapse against Ohio State in the Big Ten. But then those last two spots are up for grabs. You have Virginia Tech in there. You have Stanford in there. You have Iowa in there. Maybe... I know you think UConn still has an outside shot as a one. So there's a lot to decide, even though there are no games to be played until Sunday, a lot of resumes to be picked through. Yeah, it's very interesting. And I can't really remember a time recently where we're like, who's going to be on the one line? I feel like that group's kind of usually decided that you're like, okay, where does everyone else fall? So it's it's an interesting time to be looking at it. But yeah, conference tournaments, I mean, 
you have teams like Virginia Tech and Iowa that made these really impressive runs and that are going to get rewarded for those. And then, I mean, a team like Stanford, which I thought almost looked a little bit similar to what UConn looked like over the last month, ignoring this weekend over in their kind of closeout of the regular season. Obviously, a little bit better competition for them, but they were still struggling quite a bit. And then UConn gets AZ FUD back. How does the committee handle that? I think that's the real reason they're on the outside of that one is, well, what do you make of this team now that they have FUD and all of those losses came without AZ FUD? So it's a different picture now when you've got a player that I think all sides pointed to being a national player of the year type candidate when she was playing earlier in the season. So we can go kind of case by case here. If you look at the Her Hoop Stats ratings, South Carolina is far and away they're in a different galaxy than everyone else correct me if i'm wrong they're 54.4 rating so if you took what's it 100 possessions they'd be 54 points better than the average team yep then the next closest is stanford at 41 so south carolina um according to the the fancy math algorithm is what 14 points better than the next closest team so obviously they're they're in a different stratosphere than everyone else but stanford we can start with them fell in the Pac-12 semifinals, ultimately won by Washington State. We can talk about the Cougs when Alexa comes on because that's an incredibly fun story. But what do you make uh, of the Stanford overall resume now? Not necessarily, if you want to talk about their loss last week, feel free, but 28-5 and five on the year, second in their hoop stats ratings. They're still fourth in the net, so make their case for or against a one seed. Yeah, I mean, if you think if you look at their overall body of work and kind of ignore how they've looked over the last few weeks, they have a really good case for a one seed. They've got one of the best resumes in the country. They're nine and three against the top 25 in the net. So that's impressive. There's not many other teams in this group that we're going to talk about that have that kind of strength of schedule. I think the thing that's holding them back is that last 10 games are seven and three. In those last 10 games, you've got that Washington loss that's really puzzling in there. They lost to Utah to end the season. Um, and in that road trip with the loss to Utah, it also took them two overtime to beat Colorado. And then you've got the loss to UCLA in the Pac-12 tournament. So a team that has a really strong resume, but maybe if you look to like the eye test and just how they've looked down the stretch here, it's not great. I don't, uh, I agree with everything you said. So we'll keep it with a team that I think if you just copied what you said and pasted it with the exception of how they looked at their conference tournament, I feel like UConn has a very similar overall cases as Stanford here. Yeah, I think so as well. I think when you take Stanford's resume and then put UConn's next to it, you can basically like draw a line between all of their losses and say like, these are basically equal. Their resumes are almost identical, I think the thing that's different for UConn is how do you factor in that, okay, but AZ Fun didn't play in those games. That's not a question that you're asking about Stanford right now. And I think that's why you're seeing the question, could UConn end up in the one seed? I don't think I would put them there, but I think there's an outside shot that they make it there because of that, that they get that kind of big boost back in getting AZ Fun back. And then they looked the part, too, in the conference tournament. I think that's important, not just that they got her back, but they looked the part running through the Big East tournament. Sure, and picked up what is uh, quietly a top 12 victory. Villanova was ranked, what, 10th or 11th? So and they did yeah. it comfortably. The 12-point margin was a little bit deceiving. It wasn't that close. Uh, UConn, I agree with you. I don't think they're going to quite get back up to a one seed, but they're going to be 
the big thing is always, you know, if you're talking one seeds, two seeds, three seeds, avoid being the last two seed, avoid being the first <laughs> three seed. LSU gets to avoid that because I don't would they put them in the same bracket? As, they can't. Yeah, yeah I was say, so that's what rules, I thought. I couldn't remember where the line was. Yeah. I think it starts with the, the f- top four lines can't be from the same conference. Right. So congrats, yeah. LSU. They're not going to be a one seed, but we can quickly talk about them. You don't think they're going to be a two seed? Yeah, I think they're going to follow the three line and they're a victim of one, the fact that they lost in the conference tournament. I think their losses are going to hit them a little harder because they just don't have the great body of work to, to back it up. On the, in terms of like the big statement wins and then also they're just a victim of all the teams kind of behind them making good runs in their conference tournaments and moving in the correct direction do you know how many wins against current top 25 teams lsu has are we talking top 25 like this week's top 25 associated press poll uh one one win over tennessee right that is accurate. One win, and technically, <laughs> Arkansas was ranked when they went to Bud Walton Arena. That looks like January, and, and put a hurting on the Razorbacks, who might not make the field. So that doesn't really count. So LSU, <laughs> their chances of a one seed are over. Blew a 17-point lead in the second quarter onward. It wasn't that big at halftime against uh, Tennessee. Second largest comeback win in uh, SEC history. So congrats to the Lady Balls who picked up a signature win and then fell to South Carolina. But we're talking one seeds. So Virginia Tech, this is a team that no one really talked about. They were just kind of lurking there 10, 11, 12 for pretty much the whole season. And then suddenly last month, whatever clicked, clicked and boom, they've been on a, a meteoric rise to suddenly I think they could be that fourth one seed. Yeah, they're they're 10 and 0 in their last 10 games. They've just been kind of rolling since I don't know, early February, they've just seemed to figure it out and that continued in the conference tournaments. I think the thing that stood out to me about them and their conference tournament runs is I forget the exact number, but I think their biggest margin of victory in the ACC prior to the conference tournament was 13 points. And then they won all but the championship game by significantly more than that um, going into the ACC tournament. They're now up to 10 and two versus the top 25 in the net. So just kind of quietly and then very quickly be built out a number one seed type resume. Yeah, they beat Duke in the regular season by 16. They beat Florida State by 14. And otherwise, you're right, nothing bigger than 14 points against the teams that you would expect them to take care of even some of these teams that you'd expect them to beat by more Pitt, only a seven point loss they lost to clemson so a couple of confusing losses but they really turned it on you right a 26 point win over miami they held duke to 37 points but the blue devils really struggled scoring offensively i thought that nc state game might have turned the corner and said they've regressed mightily since then and then he yeah, had eight point win over louisville in the championship game and the Hokies surging now. They've won 10 in a row. Might sneak into that last one seed. Other teams to make a case. Maryland's. Actually, no, we'll, we'll talk about Iowa first because the Hawkeyes repeated as Big Ten tournament champs and they did it going away. Yeah, I think this was an impressive run as well. I thought Iowa to be in the one seed conversation because they were on the three line and the last reveal was going to have to do something fairly special in the big 10 tournament. And then I think we saw that they picked up that win over Indiana to end the regular season and then beat Maryland in the big 10. And then 
uh, a large win, I think it's a, a nice way to say it, over Ohio State in the Big Ten final really just blew out the Buckeyes from the start of that game. And I mean, Caitlin Clark was fantastic. And I think, did she get the triple-double? She was at least near yes. it if she didn't get it. But yes. yeah, she got the triple-double. So yeah, a team that as of late looks like one of the best teams in the country, which I think we do see the committee value conference tournament games a little bit more so i think they're definitely going to be on the rise they don't have maybe quite as good as the full resume as some of those other teams that we talked about so far but still a really solid resume and a team that's very hot and also playing in the big 10 which i think we see the committee value in the number of top 16 teams that we've seen from the big 10 whether they're a one seed or a two seed has your opinion on iowa changed because you and i have been on the same boat of it's great that they can go on games where they, you know, score 105 on Ohio State or 100, yeah, 105. But the defense, you know, they they beat Indiana 86-85. They beat Maryland 89-84. They told Purdue under 16, you know, they needed it because they didn't score 70 in that game. In a game, the Boilermakers, that's more of the Boilermakers liking. But has your opinion on Iowa changed because of this run? No, I, I don't <laughs> think it will change. <laughs> it just... Like, I think they look better because it's not just Caitlin Clark and it's not just Monica Sonato. They've gotten contributions offensively from all of their starters. And I think this team is better when they do that. But no, they still can't play enough defense to go to the Final Four. You you have to play defense and rebound well to win in March. And I'll stick to that. All right. So we're, we're on the topic of the Big Ten. Maryland's, it, you know, I think the consensus was the Terps had that four seed if they probably reached the semis lost a good semi or if they reach the championship game, I should say the big 10 instead, they fall in the semis. So can you make Maryland's case for, or against uh, being a one seed? Yeah. I mean, their body of work overall is good. I think we saw that. I mean, again, like I said, the big 10, we've seen that the committee clearly has feels strongly that the big 10 is a solid conference. A lot of teams in the top 16. This is a conference that's really difficult I, I think without that win over Iowa, though, it was just going to be hard for them to get into that one seed. And then I think the other thing that hurt them is part of what was boosting their resume since that last reveal was a win over Ohio State, which maybe after the Iowa game just doesn't look quite as good as it did, you know, a week ago. It felt like Ohio State had maybe turned a corner and then they kind of go out and, and really struggle against Iowa. So I think that says something as well. I would be kind of honestly really surprised if we see Maryland on the one seed. I'm not saying they don't have a case, but I just think that they're kind of maybe the last team in this group I would expect to see end up on the one line. More so than Utah, who I think is the last team that has oh, yeah, I wasn't even, even some even sort of a case. Utah in the conversation. So, yeah, no. <laughs> not more so than Utah. I think they've got a better shot than Utah, but I wasn't considering Utah as someone with a case for a one seed. <laughs> you make the case because they were the fourth one seed. That's uh, fair. During the last bracket reveal, and then since then they beat Stanford and then fell to Washington State. And Alexa will join us here shortly, and she wrote a great piece on just the fanaticism around the Cougs and Shania Twain, but I'll let you, you know, I, I know Shania is your, your girl. I was going to see her in June of 2020. I was going to take my wife to Vegas to see her. I, not a, you know, whatever she, I'm indifferent, but then uh, the uh, novel coronavirus 19 uh, knocked that out. Yes. Um, Washington say this, this is a great story out of the PAC 12. They were going to make the tournament anyways. They win as the seven seed. They might be seated better than that now in the tournament because of this run. 
Yeah, I think they've got a good shot at a, a six-type seed with the run that they made through the Pac-12. And I'm also giant Shania fan. I am actually seeing her this summer. I'm very excited about it. I um, live I live but... in North Carolina. They, she's in Greensboro one day, and she's in Raleigh in the next. And my wife, uh, she might be in Charlotte, whatever. It's either way. It's two drivable things. I think she wants to go to both. I don't want to go to like she's going to listen to this and I'll go to one, Nicole, but two, you know, if you want to go to the second one, feel free. Uh, so yeah. we're talking Washington State and Shania Twain, and that's perfect segue to our guest, ESPN's Alexa Phillip, who joining us. Uh, Alexa, you just wrote a great story on Washington State and this Shania Twain connection. A great story coming out of Pullman. Uh, thank you for the hard hitting journalism, first of all. Uh, and just you know, how how great is this Washington State story and the fact that I mean not only are they singing Shania Twain like they're they might be they're, they're friends now it seems. Yeah, well, yeah, it's kind of taken on a life of its own, which is pretty remarkable. Um, but having come from the Pac-12 myself in college, the fact that like this Washington State team has emerged to be, you know, tournament champions, and now you know they're getting Shania. I hope that she gets them out into you know her concert in Spokane. It sounded like that's what they were trying to finagle. And I, I fully support that. I hope they get to go on stage with her and sing Man, I feel like a woman. That would just if that happens, like forget about, you know, a deep tournament run. Like that's when you peaked as a program, right? So um yeah, it's been a lot of fun to watch from afar. And I hope people I know it's hard to watch Pac 12 games, but I hope people like know more about the team and whether or not it's through the whole thing with the song and Shania or just, you know, obviously because um, they're a good basketball team and they're definitely want to watch when we get the tournament started. Yeah. I know everything people generally view things through a football perspective, but just putting into context how hard of a job that is in Pullman to get people there. Spokane is 90 or so minutes away. So it's a very difficult job. And Kami Etheridge and Co have done a great job there. So the Cougs are in the tournament, but Alexa, I want to talk to you about some of these top teams in the country. It seems South Carolina, obviously, they're South Carolina. Indiana looks fairly locked in as a one seed, despite some of these, uh, despite their second half collapse last week. But, you know, Megan and I were talking before you came on. Who do you think is deserving for those final two one seeds? Because there are a couple of teams in the mix, which isn't hasn't been the status quo historically in this tournament. We generally know who the one seeds are. Oh man, that's why they pay Charlie the big bucks to try and figure this out. Cause I have no idea how you determine it. Um, you know, up until recently, I would have been like, well, Stanford should be a shoe in, but I'm also a Stanford grad. So I feel like I'm very reactive to like their highs and lows. But like recently I've been like, well, they haven't been playing like the one seed, but they, their resume is, is more deserving of one. So I think I'm being a little harsh on them, but, um, Jeez, yeah, I, I don't know. If, if you're a Stanford fan, then I think you want to see some improved play than what we saw over the last few weeks from them. Um, Iowa, I'm still trying to figure out how much I feel like their recent surge is like how much do you pay attention to that versus like trying not to be prisoner of the moment because we just know this Iowa team, it's like when they're good, they look like they're the best team in the country or one of the best teams in the country. And when they're bad, they or when they don't play defense or when they're not hitting shots, you know, or when they're not getting anything from the role players. And, you know, it's not as much that. Um, I've been a huge fan watching Virginia Tech from afar. Um, 
right now, I think Charlie has them as the other projected as one of the projected one seeds. Um, I just think the way that they closed out the ACC season was really remarkable. And I just think the coaching job Kenny Brooks has done there is, I mean, he's on the top three and like the in the coach of the year conversation to me. Um, I just think he's done a remarkable job. And then why well, am I, I'm, I don't know if I'm missing. Oh, Maryland is Maryland. Um, Maryland's another team where it's, it feels like when they're really good, when they're on, when they actually, when they're playing defense and they're getting contributions from other people besides diamond Miller, they look really good. And then sometimes when they're not, it's, it's just hard because these teams this year, I feel like you're getting like almost like Jekyll and Hyde. Like one day they look amazing, another day they look horrible. And um, horrible is such a strong word. But um, and then the thing is that's you know living in Connecticut, like I watch a lot of UConn. I think if they didn't go through the stretch they went through in February, they would clearly be that you know they would be a number one seed. But I don't think you can totally ignore that if you're the committee um because are you gonna do that with other teams I don't know and then you add back AZ FUD so clearly they're going the right direction they looked a lot better better in the Big East tournament so I have no idea what they're gonna do um because I think there's a lot of teams that are deserving and then if you look at their actual resumes and whatnot or if you're going based off of most recent play so Megan's a bracketologist so um I've seen what she's thought she's been great at giving us updates on Twitter um but I think it's really actually exciting that there'll be a little bit of intrigue, but maybe the point is there's no right answer. Um, they're just going to make the decision that they think is best. So sounds like you don't want to be ever on the selection committee ever in your life. No, I hate making decisions. <laughs> I hate like <laughs> takes, making decisions. No, no, I could not be in the selection committee <laughs> ever. <laughs> Well, you know Stanford and UConn probably better than most. So starting with Stanford, what do you make of them? I know you mentioned the kind of their stretch lately, but the talent is there. They just haven't had the smoothest maybe last month or so. What do I think of Stanford? It's such a loaded question. Um, yeah, their offense has been really tough to watch at times the last few weeks. And you know, I'm a huge Cameron Brink fan. I think she's great. Um, and I don't think she's really been the problem. Um, but sometimes it just feels like they don't get anything outside of Cam and, and Haley and Haley too, hasn't been you know the most efficient or, you know, I don't know if it always even goes down to her though, because uh, yeah, it just feels like sometimes they're not, they, they have so many different pieces. I've always kind of struggled with this, especially with the last few years. It's like, they have so many pieces that sometimes it's like, okay, well, like, do you, like, are they, uh, how do I want to phrase it? It just, it doesn't always seem like, like everyone has like an established role or, you know, like everyone's getting the most out of their role. Uh, I do think that Lauren Betts, I love that she's playing more and that they have that option now to put her in with Cam Brink. I think that's a really good wrinkle that could help Stanford like through the tournament, but um they're struggling a little bit more than I thought they would. I think like, I know they've graduated a lot of really good talent, but I, and you know, I, I always think back to, to that game last year in the national semifinal when they lost to UConn. And um, yeah, I think they, if they can come through with like grit and like a toughness in the tournament, I think that would really serve them well. I thought that was kind of what was lacking when they played really badly against UConn. It was like UConn just like, out tough them so um that's one thing I'm looking for especially when you don't have like the holes to bring that 
um, or like Anna Wilson to bring that, like who's going to bring that for the Stanford team? Megan and I were talking, if you <laughs> took away the jerseys and just kind of just did like a blind resume, Stanford and UConn are very similar. You know, they both go through stretches where they don't pass the eye test. You wonder what's going on offensively. Does your view on UConn, though, change with AZ Fudge return? She didn't look great, but she looked rusty. But UConn looked a lot more UConn-like last week. I think it has to change. I mean, if you just – if she's on the floor, regardless of whether or not she's making a ton of her shots, like, she's automatically a floor spacer who's going to give Aaliyah Edwards and Dorka Juhas more room inside. So – and – um, I thought it was notable. Gino said that she'd only really practiced twice with the team before the tournament. So theoretically, she's only, I know she's been doing individuals outside of that, but she'll be getting more and more comfortable, like in the offense and in the kind of game scenarios, playing live ball. So I wouldn't necessarily read. And I think maybe the beauty of it is of the way that UConn is now is like, they might not need her to score 20 points a game, especially not in the first two rounds maybe not even in a sweet 16 game because of the way that Aaliyah Edwards has been playing and Dorga Juhas has been playing and, you know, they have Lou Lopez Seneschal who's been great. So, I mean, I, I do think they're going to need her in the tournament at some point. Cause it's going to, you know, I always think about how Gino says like some games, it's like, you just need to have that like transcendent player to like push you through kind of like how Paige was in that elite eight game last year. So at some point they might not, might need AZ to, hit like three threes in a row in the fourth quarter or something like that, but she has time. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if the committee, you know, is really going to take that into consideration because it's no coincidence that UConn's really tough stretch happened without AZ and um, you know, that period when they're still kind of over relying on their starters and everything like that. Another team that made a big run last weekend, Iowa. You kind of mentioned that they've kind of been up and down as well, but what are your thoughts on the Hawkeyes in terms of, you know, just last weekend change, how you feel about their their chances in March? Yeah, I think I probably feel more, um, I'm more high on them than I was a few weeks ago, but I also, it's like, you know, they can kind of flame out if like, you know, like almost as easily as if they, you know, as if they're able to do all this stuff. Like Caitlin Clark obviously has been incredible to me. I think, you know, if their role players, their contributors are, are able to be impactful, that's what really makes them dangerous. Um, And if they're doing well in the defensive end, obviously that's kind of like always been the question with this Iowa team is that can they play enough defense to um, get like deep into the tournament? So um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I remember one of the games, I don't know if it was the semifinal or the final game. It might've been the semifinal. Um, it was like Warnock and Marshall and like Kate Martin, like they all had, um, it was, or it was like one of the games in the tournament. It was like the first time all season or something like that, that all five starters were in double figures. I, I don't remember the exact stat, but it went to show. I think that's arguably when Iowa is at its best because, um, it can't just be on Caitlin Clark or Sinano. So um, if they can keep that rolling, then yeah, I think that they're going to get to the second weekend and have you know a much deeper run. Um, I would be so fascinated to see a Iowa South Carolina matchup. Like, I don't know. I just think that would be like the whole women's basketball world would probably implode because of like the narratives and 
everyone's fandom and everything but um yeah I'm really curious to see what they do I I think though I mean if you're an Iowa fan or whatever like you have to do better than you know I know they had a tough matchup in Creighton last year but like they can't have a repeat of that again like this team needs to make that step um even though Caitlin's going to be back another year but so last year all five starters will be there you got to make that step I don't know what that means but that is certainly one of the more intriguing storylines I think we'll see in the next few weeks. Caitlin Clark might be have two more years. She floated a couple of weeks ago. Good. That's something to talk about next year. Uh, you mentioned South Carolina and the, a matchup with Iowa would certainly be spicy. There's so much parity, it seems, between teams two and pick your number 10, 11, 12, which it, it's deeper than it has been. But then there's this behemoth at the top that just head and shoulders looks better than everyone else. Ultimately, you think anyone beats the Gamecocks? I think they're going to go undefeated and win it all. I wouldn't be shocked if they lose, but if you had to corner me right now and say what is going to happen. So I made the mistake last year of thinking they were going to lose because I, I thought their offensive struggles would catch up to them and that just like did not happen. Um, and then obviously their offense is actually better this year and they don't have, they don't have a perfect offense, but they don't have a lot of the same problems. I'd say, um, you know, they're not necessarily like a offensive juggernaut, but they're scoring and they're shooting percentages up and they have depth and all this stuff and they're still playing defense and they're still dominating the board. So I, right now, if you had asked me what's most realistic, I think they're, they're going to repeat. Cause I also think what's notable about them is, even when they've been down this season, they've still managed to come back and they just have that maturity and poise and experience that I think will carry them through to another championship. Do you have a couple of like wild card teams, teams that aren't in that top group, maybe like four or five temp seeds that could make some noise when we get to the tournament? Well, I just wrote about South Dakota state recently and, uh, I'm like fully on the South Dakota state bandwagon. Now I did this last year with, I forget what it was. I thought like IUPUI was going to make a, like a little bit of noise and then they lost in the first round. So like maybe my opinion is just going to be off again, but South Dakota state, I would, they're like a, I don't even know. They might be like an 11 seed in Charlie's bracket. I can't remember right now. They're, they're pretty low in Charlie's bracket, but I think, that they are a team to watch because last year we had South Dakota make a pretty good run. So I was like, well, why not? You know, there's Summit League rival, someone who's already played a bunch of Power Five teams. They beat Louisville. Uh, I'd be keeping an eye on them. They have um, a really, they have a really experienced coach. They won the WNIT last year. So that that's my wild card of all wild cards. Um, I'm really intrigued to see how. There's like a few teams I'm intrigued by from like the four or five range, like Tennessee. Are they going to be able to build upon what they are able to do in Greenville? Like that's my big question for them. Cause I kept expecting them to like, okay, like their tough schedule, all their ups and downs, it's finally going to pay off in this moment. And I was like, okay, is that beating LSU in the, SSC tournament semifinals or is that going to be even something greater in March I don't know but they have the talent you think to to make some sort of run um and then I'm really intrigued by well I know like Texas has had a lot of injuries recently so I don't really know what to make of them I think they kind of like had high expectations and then like 
struggled. Um, they got Rory back. So now they're like doing better. I'm really curious to see how they do in the big 12 tournament, but also again, their injuries like Sonia Morris. Um, I don't really know what her deal is, if she's going to be playing in a few weeks, but um, I'm not sure if the injuries are going to like hamper a run, but I wouldn't like count them out per se. Cause Vic Schaefer obviously knows what he's doing in March. And then, you know, Megan, I have to bring up UCLA. Um, very curious to see what, I don't really quite know what to make of them because they had obviously a really good Pac-12 tournament, but they've kind of been up and down too. So I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, they they make some sort of run. You've got Charisma Osborne and Kiki Rice, but um, I don't know. I don't know if you have any strong thoughts on the Bruins. You did predict though that if, was it that if Stanford lost, you pre- or Utah lost, or something that you predicted they'd win? So you were pretty close. You were yeah, seconds <laughs> away. <laughs> yeah, it was close. Not quite there, but close. Yeah, they're an interesting team because they have so many freshmen that it's like it's so up and down. And it's like if they can string it together for a few games, they could make a run. Yeah, right. But regardless, they'll be in good shape. I think uh, you know the the youth indicates that they'll be in good shape in the years to come. So this could be good experience, regardless. Uh, I just checked Charlie's latest update. One fifteen this morning. The man's grinding. Love it. South Dakota State would be a 10 seed in Iowa City if they follow him. That would be a spicy second round matchup. Uh, wow. Alexa, you going to Greenville or, C- or uh, Seattle for the regionals or neither? I think the plan is for me to be in, in Seattle. I haven't booked a ticket yet, so I should probably get on that. <laughs> Well, uh, have fun. Uh, anything coming down the pike uh, in terms of uh, obviously you're going to be grinding yourself over the next few weeks. Uh, plug your stuff on uh, on ESPN. Yeah. So right now I'm in the middle of writing about I'm not last year. I wrote about every team in the bracket and then I was like, I can't do this alone. Um, someone helped me. So uh, thankfully, Vopal and Charlie are helping me out. But yeah, we're writing about every single team. I'm doing like probably two thirds of it. So um in the midst of that, but I'm also writing about UConn um, and just everything they've gone through this year, which was said last year, but somehow it got worse from last year to this year. Um, so that's what I think is coming out next week um, before the tournament starts. And I think that will, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting going through. Cause I was even thinking about how like, Oh yeah. Like remember when Gino took like four games away, like to kind of deal with this stuff. And I was like, wow, that feels like, it's like, five months ago I was like no that was like not that long ago at all so there's been a lot that's happened this season for UConn and it'll be interesting to go back look back at it but see kind of how far they've come in a way and figure out what that means for the future awesome you can follow her on Twitter at Alexa Philippou Alexa thanks so much for the time great stuff thank you see you guys some people just know there's a better way to do things like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Our thanks to Alexa Philippou of ESPN. Megan, before we turn our talk to the one major conference tournament this week, the Big 12 is underway in Kansas City. Any other uh, loose ends you want to tie up from last week? We hit on most of the major conferences, at least the champions, but uh, 
Boy, I'm looking back at what we guessed. We both got Virginia Tech right. I didn't. I got AZ'd. I picked Villanova <laughs> in the Big East. You picked UConn. Uh, we both picked Indiana in the Big Ten. That looked really good for 20 minutes. By the way, does your I know Ohio State got blown out. Does J.C. Sheldon's return from injury change your ceiling for the Buckeyes at all? I think they're a better team with her on it. I've kind of been an Ohio State doubter all season, even when they were doing really well. The thing that concerns me about that team is just if you can break their press, which I recognize is not an easy thing to do, but teams know it's coming now. And if you can break their press, their defense outside of that press is largely non-existent, I think is a fair way to put it. Sure. The rebounding gets me. I think they're still, if they don't have a negative rebound margin on the year, it's awfully close. And if you just run into a team with moderate size, that might, that might be the end of them. Cause again, if you're, if you're going to be a two seed and they'll probably be, there'll be one of the higher up three, maybe four seeds. They could, they get stuck in South Carolina. They can get stuck against, you know, Tennessee, LSU run into any of those teams. It might not matter if you force 19 turnovers if you get hammered on the glass, especially against a team like South Carolina. So I'll generally agree with you. And then Tennessee, where do you have the Lady Vols seated? I understand they've played the toughest schedule in the country. They finally got a top 25 win and they're ranked this week. They should get rewarded for playing a tough schedule. But we've talked a lot. LSU is overrated they have they dropped precipitously considering they lost to what teams consider a uh, or what media members consider a top 25 team they fell drastically i don't quite get why tennessee is on the five line they just they haven't won i actually have them on the last team on the four line right now and i think it comes down to the strength of schedule that they played and then the fact that when you get to that group at the bottom of the four line, like quite frankly, no one's resume is sure that impressive. Like you're talking about a UNC team with 10 losses and like, I don't know, like I think Tennessee's, even though they don't maybe have some of the statement wins, like the schedule that they've played is more impressive. Um, and those losses have like, they fell out, I think 11, right. But those, those losses have come to better teams. They've played South Carolina twice. They played LSU twice. They played UConn. They played, Ohio State, like it's a long list of teams that are at the top. Indiana, there's a long list of top teams that they've played. And another thing that for me kind of set Tennessee ahead a little bit is just that, like, if you're looking at what's happened recently, and I think they're a better team now than a lot of those losses they racked up back in November. And they're clearly a better team, I think, now than they were in November. I will say, I know Rakia Jackson is the leading scorer. I love Jordan Horston. She she is 6'2". She plays like she's 6'5". She jumps out of the gym. She scores. She rebounds. She can pass. She can block. She can steal. She's She stands out on the floor in a pretty good conference in the SEC, even with, you know, she's playing with another lottery pick next to her in Rakia Jackson. She was on the court with you know, some of the best players in the country in South Carolina, and she certainly, she stands out. Um, just physically and what she can do. So she's going to be uh, the high draft pick as well um, in a couple of weeks. So that's our kind of putting the bow on conference tournament week from last week. We've already had a little chaos. We don't have to go too, too much in depth, but we had some bid thieves uh, so far this week, USF. They're going to go to the tournament, but they lost in the to Wichita in the AAC quarterfinals. 
ECU won uh, the auto bid first time since like 2007. So congrats to the Pirates. Um, we had another WCC was the bid stealer. Gonzaga, they're going to make it. Portland uh, shocks the Zags in the WCC final. Portland won that in 2020 too, right? I think so. That so sounds second, right. Second time in four years. So congrats to the pilots. But if you're some of these bubble teams, I know you've had a week off. You're firmly watching. You know, you watch the American. You watch the WCC. You're going to watch Middle Tennessee to make sure they win Conference USA. And they're probably going to watch the Ivy League mm -hmm. because Princeton and Columbia, we can kind of break down both resumes if you want. Columbia's 45th. Uh, actually, that's not updated. Columbia is. They're both in the 40s in the net. Princeton is at 40. Columbia is 44. One of them's probably going to get the auto bid. Does the other make it, though? I think I like Columbia's resume better than Princeton. And I think I've been saying that for a while, but I just yeah. like their non-conference is better. Um, so I think if Columbia gets the auto bid, Princeton was one of those teams that's very squarely on the bubble. They could get in, but I don't know. If it goes the other way, Princeton wins. I think Columbia's in. So that could be a potential bid thief, if you will. And then the A-Sun could also be a bid thief. Florida Gulf Coast, they are 38th in the net. Again, not to say they're going to lose. I don't even know who they'd play in the A-Sun championship. I haven't looked, but teams are paying attention. If they lose, I think they get in at, it'd be 20, if they were to lose, it'd be 29 or 30 and four, 30 losses. It's not unprecedented. It's a lot of wins to leave out of the tournament. So things to pay attention to outside of the power conferences. If you just want to stick to the big teams, we do have big 12 tournament week uh, tournament play this week started yesterday. The quarters are tonight. Texas is the one seed. I don't know how I don't want to say seriously they're taking it, but they're not at 100 percent. And Vic Schaefer has already said they're not going to play everybody because of injuries. Oklahoma is the two seed. Texas is flirting with that area to host. I know you tweeted last night that you agree with Vic in that even if they were to be one and done or at the very least not make the championship game, are they still safe to host? Yeah, I think so. I think there's like a pretty clear line, I think, right now between like who's a three and who's a four, and they're pretty safely on that three side. So even if they were to drop to the four with a loss, I still think they're in. I don't think I can't see them dropping to a five seed. Do you see uh who do you see winning in the Big 12 this week? I'm still gonna go Texas. I still think they're pretty clearly the best team. Um even with the injuries, I think their defense could probably carry them some, but if it's not Texas, it's probably Oklahoma. They have three starters out. Well, obviously Aaliyah Moore's been out. Um, and they have a couple others who aren't playing. Who's not playing? Correct me. Oh, Sonia Morris isn't playing. Sonia she Morris, hasn't yeah. she hasn't played the last couple of weeks, but she's not gonna make a return and they basically Vic Schaefer openly said we're saving her for the tournament. Yep. So a lot of bubble teams as well in the big 12 West Virginia surging with three straight wins. They were looking like they were on the outside looking in, but then they beat Baylor. They beat Oklahoma state who suddenly struggling the big 12, I think is, is kind of turned on its head the last few weeks because Baylor suddenly lost five of eight Oklahoma state closed the regular season, losing three in a row. Kansas had a brutal loss last night to TCU. So some of these teams that we thought were out might be in. Some of these teams that we thought were pretty safe, like Kansas, 
you know, you're the bracketologist here. What do you make of the Jayhawks all of a sudden? Not to say your resume is made by one loss. Boy, that's a really bad loss. Yeah, it's a really bad loss for a team that was already kind of in that bubble territory, which is not what you want this time of year if you're that kind of team. So I haven't gone through and like fully looked at everyone sitting on the bubble right now, but it, it's not a good thing for them. They're definitely going to be sweating it out on Selection Sunday. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of basketball to watch this week or last week. Are you taking a little, not to say you're not watching, but is this week a little easier? Are you watching men's hoops as well? Because there's a billion men's games. So like kind of take us through through your week. Is Are the dual TVs set up? Is that like a staple through April? Yeah, the dual TVs will stay here till till April. But uh, I'm watching, I'll watch the Big 12. I'm going to keep an eye on that. And then I'm a UConn men's fan. So I've kind of glued to the men's Big East tournament a little bit this weekend as long as they're playing. It's my understanding you uh you turned it off when they were up uh twenty six <laughs> yesterday. I didn't turn it off, but I was you know supposed to be working the day job because it was a two thirty p.m. tip, and I was on the couch, the computer, and I stopped paying attention because they were up twenty six, and then I looked up and I was like, well, what happened? And they were only up five. They won anyways. Big East at the Garden. Yep. <laughs> it's uh it's it's definitely different than everyone else. Megan, final thing, follow Megan on Twitter at Megan Gower. Last week, she posted a picture of her setup with her dual TVs and her laptop. And I don't know if there's a tablet in there. What I noticed, you can't even really see it on the screen. But if you're kind of a nerd like me, you noticed not only a Nintendo GameCube, it's the silver GameCube that I had the same one from Toys R Us. Did you get yours from (laughs) Toys R Us? Probably. I don't remember where we got it, but it was probably Toys R Us. Are you still playing it? I mean, obviously, it's occasionally, right <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have like Mario Kart in here and stuff, so sometimes I use it when people are over. It's more like I don't play video games enough to invest in a newer thing, so we just keep the old one. <laughs> video games have long passed me by. I have a uh, the uh, the Xbox One, and I got Madden a couple of years ago. Jesus Christ, that's like <laughs> that's long, long. It's it's passed me by. I'm an old man. GameCube. I got rid of my GameCube during the pandemic because it kind of started to die so we we upgraded to a Wii off of facebook marketplace yeah i didn't cry but like it was it was sad I spent a lot of hours <laughs> what's so mario kart's your game anything else yeah mario party uh, i have the old animal crossing like the original yes. animal crossing not the one that's on the ds now or whatever they call the new the switch i think is the handheld thing now um Wait, that. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to think what else is in there. I honestly like really don't use it that much. I think there is, I don't know if it's Mario, but there's one, some other Mario game in there. Maybe it's Mario Sunshine. One of the older ones is in there too. <laughs> I got it at first video game system I ever bought with my own money. It was $150. I remember it vividly. <laughs> it came with either Metroid Prime or I got Mario Party 4. And it was <laughs> far too many of my favorite hours as a child. Have you seen the new, are you going to watch the Mario movie? I saw the new trailer was oh. out for yesterday. I honestly did not know that there was a Mario movie until the second. So <laughs> maybe. It looks fun. <laughs> Mario, you know what Mario sounds like. We all know what Mario sounds yeah. like. Chris Pratt is the voice. It's literally <laughs> Chris Pratt's voice. That's my problem. Check out the trailer. It's on Twitter. It looks really fun. Like they're incorporating a lot of different things in it. And then you just hear Chris Pratt's voice. It's like, <laughs> guys. Mario, we know what he like. It's it bothers me, but it looks fun. All right, Megan, 
We'll play video games in a few weeks because we got lots of basketball. Enjoy your weekend. Follow Megan at Twitter at Megan Gower. I'm at R underscore Joyce 34. Thanks to Alexa Philippou of ESPN for joining us. Selection Sunday, 7 o'clock? Men's at 6? 8 o'clock for the women. 8 o'clock for the women. 8 to 9 on ESPN. Come next week. Scheduling note, we are not going to record on Fridays anymore because it doesn't make sense. Come next Friday, we're going to be firmly in it. We record some point midweek. Megan and I will hash it out, look at our work schedules. But uh, the next few weeks until the national title game, we'll come to you at some point in the midweek. We'll coordinate with the baseball show, with the men's basketball show as well. But it's here. March Madness is here. Enjoy the final weekend. Enjoy the Big 12. Enjoy your mid-major stuff, and we'll talk to you next week.